to be here together and worship him this morning. May God be exalted during this time. Uh, if I didn't get to meet you uh, on your way in, my name is Ken DeLage, serve as the lead pastor here, and we are thrilled. If you're a guest, we're thrilled that you can join us and worship Jesus together. We've got a little saying about our church, and it is this, that we are ordinary people living ordinary lives, but who are on an extraordinary mission for an extraordinary God. And, and I hope that that's what you find here this morning. Uh, we're, we're ordinary folks. If you're new here, we're, we're, we're a lot like you, um, dealing with the same stuff in our lives that you're dealing with in yours, um, but amazed that God has called us to himself because he is an amazing God, and we get to worship him this morning. So looking forward to, to worshiping with you this morning. Well, can I have you imagine something? Imagine that you and I got a counseling meeting, a meeting in my office, and I was able just to look you in the eye and say, hey, w would you have time to meet with me and a group of three or four people to go through a book together and, and grow in godliness? W would you have time to to invest in growing to be more like Jesus. Um, imagine that for a minute and what, what you might respond and how that might hit you. There's a, reality, there's a reality with the church even this big that I can't do small groups like that with every person in the church. So here's what we're going to do instead. Sunday school. All right, so starting next week, we're going to walk through growing in Christ together. And this is my appeal to you. This is not a program. This is the heart of your pastors to walk with you closer to Jesus. All right? That you would be different, that we would be different on the other side of it. We're, we're calling this uh, don't be immature, which I think is a kind of a funny way of talking about it. But, but what we're really after is maturity in Christ. There's a sobriety as we go through the book of Revelation, right? If you've, if you've been here, you've been hearing, like, we've got some enemies in the book of Revelation, and it would be very good for us to be mature believers, um, following hard after Jesus. So let me just encourage you, Sunday school starts next week. Our Sunday school hour is from 9 to 10, and then we have 30 minutes of kind of fellowship and breakfast is provided, and then we all come in here and worship at 10.30, just like we are doing right now. So if you can make it, you just got to kind of back up your, your schedule, and, uh, you know, coffee will be waiting for you. Breakfast will be, you've got no excuses, essentially, okay? So, uh, so we'd love to have you, and that begins, that begins next week. Well, uh, Sean is going to carry our next announcement. Great. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. It's good to be together. Well, quick, uh, quick announcement that I just got is that the three to five-year-old children's ministry class will not be had. Never mind. We are good. <laughs> that announcement was only very short-lived. <laughs> so thank you, whoever jumped in. Uh, if you need to join a team, we, ha we have some opportunities. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, boy. We, I, Mercy Hill is a church filled with servants. A need was obviously found, and somebody jumped in uh, to fill that need. And I just I thank you, Mercy Hill, for how you serve. Thank you for how you serve with excellence. And, you know, Scripture talks about how it is right to honor. 
to honor, to honor those in whom would be due and, and, and live in such a way that honors Christ, but to point that out, not in such a way to kind of lift up a person and say, hey, look how awesome this person is, but for, for you and for us to see, look how God good, or look how good God is and how he fills his servants to accomplish his mission. And this morning, I'm, I'm excited to honor and thank Paul and Chris Whittemore. Uh, they have served well, well. Uh, and and I, could, I could probably point to so many ways Paul and Chris have served in Mercy Hill. But what I want to point out is how they have served with excellence, true excellence, a, a desire to serve in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord and is filled with joy. They have, they have served in Mercy Kids for almost the entirety of the church, uh, so a good 12 to 13 years, and while that is very admirable in the way that they have taught the classes in Mercy Kids for that long, but the way that they have taught is a way of really seeking to teach with excellence. And so last night, I asked my kid, or I told my kids, I was like, hey, I think we want to honor the Whittemores, you know, just for the way that they taught. And they're like, oh, yeah, my teens, my teens, like, oh, yeah, they were my favorite teacher. They were my favorite teacher. And Ellie, who's a senior in high school, going to graduate, tear, tear, but uh, so she, 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 she just kind of went on to say some encouraging things. I was like, could you just, like, message me that real quick? Could you just message me that real quick? So, so last night, she just, she just messaged me, and she said, in regards to uh, the Whittemore, she said, I always appreciated their creativity and love for Scripture. When they talked, they were always so engaging and filled with energy, and that just helped me stay focused to listen. I remember being so excited for Sunday school because I could not wait to see what they had planned and what games they made so that I could win the prize. <laughs> <laughs> no small thing to be able to capture first to fifth graders' attention and for it to even still be an impact six years later on Ellie. So we thank you so much, Paul, so much, Chris, for how you love the kids, how you love Jesus, and how you plan with excellence. You don't come in just to do a duty. You come in and you think creatively. Last Sunday, if you saw a couple goldfish walking around, well, kids carrying them around, um, you would have, you would, that, was, that was the Woodmores. They, they somehow, they were teaching on Lazarus and somehow goldfish. It was an example um, of, of that, and so there were two kids that went home with goldfish. Uh, and so your creativity to teach uh, and to love and to help the kids see more of Jesus is, is a gift to this church. So do you mind coming up? We have a gift, but I want to give a chance for the church to thank you. So could you come up, Paul and Chris? <clears throat> Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Do you enjoy teaching?
Absolutely. They do. They love it. They love it. You learn a lot teaching. You learn a lot teaching. Amen. Well, this is so tiny to be able to ultimately say thank you enough from all of the impact you've had in uh, all these kiddos' lives. But it is a way to say thank you. Uh, and so we are grateful for you. Thanks for serving us. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We are, we are richly blessed with many servants who love Jesus here. Well, worship team, if you could come on up. In church, I would like to invite you to stand up as we prepare our hearts for a time of singing and worship this morning. As we come before this time of singing, we are looking to approach the Lord to communicate how worthy he is. And church, during our time of singing, we will also take communion together. And so let's go before the Lord and ask him to draw near to us this morning. Father, we as your people humbly come before you this morning and we say, hallowed be your name. And as we seek to draw near to you, as we sing, would you draw near to us, we ask. Be glorified this morning, we pray. Amen.
Scripture uses the word remember 352 times. Our God is gracious. So tell us in Scripture to remember Him. Because the reality is, is we forget. <laughs> we forget on a daily basis often of the hope that we have in Christ. And Christ has given His church a meal to take, to remember what He has done for you this morning. If you are a Christian this morning, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, this meal is for you. Member of Mercy Hill, not member of Mercy Hill. This meal is for you. A time to commemorate His death, a time to celebrate the new covenant through His blood. And a time as you walk down the middle aisle to remember how he's pointing to the rich, beautiful gift of fellowship with one another and himself around this table. So what we will do, church, here in a moment, right after we pray, is the worship team will continue to sing two songs, and we will gather in the middle aisle. And we will come down and you'll take the elements off to the side or potentially back to your seat to have a time of communing with the Lord and giving Him thanks and remembering what He has done for you this morning. If you are on the side, we do ask if you would just go around through the hall and then kind of come down the middle aisle. But we will just naturally gather as we take the Lord's Supper this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we 
come before you humbly. And we do ask that you would examine our hearts and reveal any secret pride or unconfessed sin as we take these elements. And as we take the bread, fill us with great gratitude for what you did on the cross that earned eternal life. Fill our hearts with gratitude as we take the cup that you have taken the punishment of our sins upon yourself so that today we have hope in you and you alone. Meet us as your people, we ask. Amen. Amen.
Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that we are forgiven. Who are we to be forgiven? Thank you for taking our punishment on that cross. And thank you for providing everything we need provided the greatest gift, which is salvation and eternal life and hope today and forgiveness. You've provided that. But you've also 
providing for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread, and you do. So we thank you for providing for us. And here in a moment, as we take our tithes and offerings, I, would, you, would you captivate our hearts to be closer to you and seeing that you are our provider as we give back the first fruits? So would even in this giving just be worship? Would you receive glory in all that's given? And all that we do. Amen. Amen. Well, you may take your seats, church, and ushers, you can come on down to the front. Uh, this is our time that we will take our tithes and offerings. The heart of worship. Well, I'd love to take a moment before we dismiss the kiddos and we hear from God's word this morning. Uh, to take a time to pray, particularly Roman or Revelation fourteen seven, one of the verses that will be preached upon. It says, and he said with a loud voice, "Fear God, and give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come, and worship him." who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. That day of final judgment will come. But it has not come yet. And that means there is time for us to continue to proclaim the gospel. Amen? But do you feel weak? I do. <laughs> But here's what's wonderful. He's given us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But we need to ask for help. We need to ask for boldness. So let's go before the Lord together and ask for boldness to proclaim the good news of Christ. Jesus, we know the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few. And you tell us to pray earnestly to you to send out laborers. So we pray, help us be faithful laborers to proclaim the good news, to plant the seed in all that we know, in all of the relationships that you put in our, in our way. May you give us boldness to proclaim the bad news and the great news. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants the strength to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I pray for your disciples this morning now. Holy Spirit, would you this morning now fill your people with your spirit and boldness and confidence to proclaim your good news. And would you today 
give us opportunities. And may you give us eyes to see the person we're talking to is the opportunity from you to share the great news of Jesus Christ. Help us be faithful and fill us with boldness. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Ah, I love you, church. Well, kiddos, it is time for you to head on back to children's ministry. Have a blast learning about Jesus. And church, you can open your Bibles to Revelation as Ken comes up to preach God's Word. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you all. Open your Bible, if you would, to Revelation 14. It was so good to take communion with you this morning. Christ's coming was very good news. You know, when Christ came the first time, God sent angels in advance of his coming. Do you remember this? What was it like? that night as the shepherds sat under quiet skies which were then rent asunder by the voice of many angels proclaiming good news good news of great joy to all people it was joyful news that christ was coming friends when christ comes the second time that's going to be joyful news too that's going to be exciting news as well. And did you know, he's going to send angels in advance of that as well. That's what we're going to read about this morning, is the message that those angels will bring right before his second advent, his second coming. Now these messages that we're going to read about are warnings to the world. The, the, the tone is quite different than Christ's first coming. The, the tone that the angels are going to speak with that time is one of last chance to repent. But as we read about these, these are given to the church that we could be comforted, that we could be encouraged, that we could remember again that Jesus is really coming, place our hope in that again, that we could endure in this life that God's called us to walk together. This is a call to the church to endure we're going to be reading this morning in Revelation 14, just a few verses. There are actually three angels coming with three messages. I'm going to read all three of their messages, but we're only going to have time to talk about the first two this morning. So before we do that, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth this morning, that anything that is of my words would fall flat to the ground, or that you would be exalted that you would speak, that you would give us the endurance that this passage is, is given to provide. You would fix our hope in the grace that's to be revealed in the coming of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's read together Revelation chapter 14, beginning in verse 6, the message of the three angels. 
Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. God's Word. We're not going to get to verse 12 in our comments this morning on the passage. I do want to highlight it briefly and say, here is a call for the endurance of the saints. If you're looking for the wisest in our Bible verse, this is it. This is calling us to endure. So we're going to back up now to the message of the angels and consider how does this call us to endure. So the first angel flies overhead. And he is positioned so that all earth may hear from him. From one end of the earth to the other. Every nation and tribe and language and people. And he has in his mouth an eternal gospel. It is an eternal gospel because it never changes. God has declared good news in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We just remembered it this morning. He has declared good news. That's, the, that's what the word gospel means. That's the meaning of the word. It just means good news. So good news is proclaimed by the angel. It is an eternal good news, meaning there's no other options to it. There is only one good news that doesn't change. There's not, in other words, a good menu. There is good news that's proclaimed. There's not good options for living your life or finding God. There's good news for doing that. There's not good ways to get to God depending on your background and tradition. There is one good news and it is an eternal good news. And praise God, He gave good news. He didn't need to give good news. Could have been bad news because we are all sinners. And yet when God spoke, He spoke eternally good news that His people could come to Him. And so the angel says in verse 7, he said with a loud voice, Fear God. 
fear God. So he's speaking right now to a fallen world in rebellion against God. And he says, stop living like you exist and God doesn't exist. Stop living apart from His law and apart from His ways. Stop exalting yourself and dismissing Him. Stop flaunting His rule and taking pride in your rebellion. Fear God because He's God. And fear God because you're not. The fear of God is the heart of repentance. It's the heart that says, woe is me. You are God, and I am not. This is, this is the heart to repentance. It is the call to repent at the heart level. Repent of your ways, and repent of your wanderings, and repent of your godlessness. The only right response when a, when a sinner sees God is to fear Him and to repent before Him. So the angel cries out with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. Give Him glory. In the context of the book of Revelation, stop giving glory to the dragon. Stop giving glory to that first beast that we read about last chapter, that beast of power, the power structures of man. Stop giving glory to that second beast that we also read about last chapter. The, the religions of this world that vie for the worship that only God deserves. Stop giving glory elsewhere. Above all, stop giving glory to yourself and give glory to your Creator. There are few things, if any, that stir the wrath of God like the pride of man. Fear God. Give Him glory. And worship Him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. That is to say, worship God as the Creator. Acknowledge Him and worship Him as Creator. We live in a world, are you ready? This is going to be the most profound statement, that exists. We live in a world that exists. Did it make itself? Like, really? Did it bring about its own existence? Really? Did, did, did the world that exists come from nothing, with no cause, no strength, no will, no reason? It just exists. Have you found refuge for your conscience in scientific fables? that seek to describe the existence of the world apart from the one who created the world. And they are, friends, fables. As, as good as they can seem within their own worldview, there, there is not yet a scientific story that describes why things actually exist. Take me back before the Big Bang, would you? And tell me, why did it bang? What was before then? Why? How? God is the creator of all things. 
All things that exist, exist because He made them, exist because He keeps them, exist because He sustains them. We exist, you exist, I exist, only because of the will and power of God. And so the gospel goes forward to those whose existence is held in the hand of the Creator, whom they deny. And God, through His angels, says, Worship Him who is the Creator. An eternal gospel goes out to all the world. The church, I wonder, as I read this, I wonder, is this the gospel that we are proclaiming? That we are speaking? That we are telling our neighbors about? I, we need to learn the gospel call from the angel who's giving this gospel call. We need to learn and listen. And, and, I, and I'm considering on the level of tone as much as content. If you've been here for a while, I think you know the content of the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel, which we could say simply, Christ died to save sinners. Right? Amen. Glory to God. But there is, there is a tone of urgency here. There, there, there is a tone of, of calling people to repentance. I wonder, do we ever hit that note? Is that note in the spectrum for us? Are there times to speak gently? Yes. Yes. Are, are there times when we're seeking to build relationship with someone so as to give an, an opportunity for the gospel? Yes and amen. Should we speak with compassion and empathy all the time? <laughs> by all means, let us speak the truth in love. But by all means, let us speak the truth. God is the creator. He made you. He calls you to repent. You've been living apart from him. You need to fear him because judgment day is coming. That, friends, if we don't get there, we're not getting there. What, what we so often, I think, are tempted to give the good news without what people call the bad news. It's not, the judgment of God is not bad news. It's, it's good. Righteousness will reign forever. But without that bad news, you need to repent because the judgment of God is coming. Oh, well, we kind of present Jesus as a good buddy. You could take him or leave him. Let's speak the truth and call people to repentance. Now notice the angel actually says something we cannot in here in verse 7. He says, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. The angel knows God's hand is on the door. The trumpet is on the lips. The curtain of time is about to fall and the curtain of eternity is about to rise. And so this is the last and final call. This goes out, and no other word will follow. Calling to repentance after these three angels. This is it. There was a moment. Remember when Noah's flood, right? There was a moment 
He built the ark. For years and years, he built the ark. In the presence of all these other people that could see. His building of the ark was a testimony. A flood was coming. And the day came when God said, get in the ark. And there was a moment when the door was open. And anyone could have entered. Then was a moment when the hand of God shut the ark. And in that shutting, he protected Noah. Indeed, he protected all his people at the time from his wrath. Glory to God that he shut the door. That was good for Noah. But in shutting the door, there was a division made between those in and those outside of the ark. Friend, the hour is coming when that division will be made by the hand of God. When the final call to repent and to turn goes out before the world. And so this, this angel's call is, Come now, all who would have mercy. Come, you who are thirsty. Come, you who are hungry. Come, you who are sick and hurting and tired. Come, those who are weary and wicked and sinners and guilty Just come and come quickly, for the hour of his judgment is here. Friends, it occurs to me, the day is coming when God will will give into the hand of this angel the responsibility to proclaim the eternal gospel one last time. The day is coming when the voice of this mighty angel will ring out throughout all the earth calling every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The day is coming when the responsibility to proclaim the gospel will be angelic. That day is coming. It has not arrived. It's not here yet. The responsibility to proclaim the eternal gospel is not in the angel's hands yet. It's in mine and yours. We bear this call right now. If the world is to hear in our generation, unless the Lord's returning real soon, it will not be by this voice that they hear it, but by ours. Right now, we we live in the church age, and in the church age, the Great Commission is still in force. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That commission was not given to angels. It was given to disciples. It was given to the church. This is our calling. Part of the way we endure is enduring in this. It's not just an endure, a passive enduring. Mm, okay, we're going to endure through these hard times. There's a, there might be times we're doing that. But the enduring is the enduring and following Christ on the mission that he's called us to. Now, how does this first one actually give us hope? It's a strong call to us to be proclaiming the gospel, but how does it actually give us hope? It gives us hope because we are reminded again that the hour of his judgment is fixed. In other words, these days that we live in are ending. They are, we can even say, swiftly ending. 
And to use biblical language, we could say, surely he is coming soon. Soon feels a little slippery to me. I'm not exactly how, sure how soon soon is. But surely he is coming soon. The hour is decided. The decree is determined. His judgment is coming. And there's no doubt this is bad news for the wicked. No doubt. This is, this is the worst of news for the wicked. But friends, this is wonderful news for the church. Right? This is wonderful news. Remember, his first coming was heralded by angels. And so his second coming, heralded by angels. Friends, the day is coming when Jesus returns. And this is, for God's people, a wonderful day. It is the best of all possible days. Everything that God has promised, every hope that He has kindled in you, every desire He has sown, every dream He has planted will be fulfilled on that day. And we will watch as He takes vengeance on the dragon and He judges the beast and He removes sin from the world and righteousness will reign and the King of righteousness will reign and Christ will be exalted. Hallelujah. And Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. So, we have a good destination where we're going. We're walking through a valley but we can see the hill, the hillside up ahead. Okay, first angel. Second angel. Second angel's voice immediately comes after the first. Verse 8. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now the angel speaks of Babylon. This is the first mention of this wicked city in the book of Revelation. So we're gonna, it's, it won't be the last. We're going to learn more and more about this city of Babylon. But even right now, you're familiar with your Old Testament. You're familiar that Babylon was the city that persecuted the people of God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came in and decimated God's people, took them into captivity. So Babylon in the Old Testament persecuted and harmed the people of God and so it is here as well. This Babylon is an echo of that Babylon. We might call Babylon the, the city of man. That is all of the structures, society, philosophy, ideas, achievements, way of being that man has apart from God is in this city, this city of Babylon. She is described this way. She made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. So she's making the nations do this. She is the spirit intoxicating the world with this way of being what it what way of being in what with what is she intoxicating the world what is this wine that she is fermenting it is first the wine of the passion now, 
passion in this case does not just refer to like strong emotions or or something like that. Yeah, the, 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 they've translated it passion. You might have a different version that might have translated it slightly different. It, the range of meaning is 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 passion, sure, and and wrath and anger and fury. So the wine in her cup is a wine of fury. It is fury at God. It is fury at God's people. It's, it's fury at God's rules and his ordinances and his laws and from a perspective, his meddling in life. And it's fury at the people of God who insist on talking about such things, who insist on living according to God's law and so shining light in places where no light is wanted or welcome. Now notice what she does here. She makes the nations drink this brew. And so then the nations rage. And the kings of the earth set themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed. The nations rebel against God. And in their own ways, hate the church. Hate and are angry with the people of God. But the dark liquid in her cup has two ingredients. It is passion and it is sexual immorality. Here the rebellion from the Creator, the independence of man from the Creator comes fully into view. I can do what I want to do with my body. I can desire who I want, sleep with who I want, look at who I want, Lust over who I want. Use who I want. Sexual immorality. Personal gratification at the expense of someone else. You know what hate is? Using someone else for yourself. You know what our culture calls it? Love. Love wins. Love is love. People should be free to love whoever they want to love. And so the world is turned upside down from God's morality. And sexual immorality is taken pride in. And the church that would dare speak of biblical morality the church that would live out a biblical morality, the church that would call sin, sin, and call people in mercy to come to the Lord before the day of judgment. That church is hated. And so we see how this wine of passion is both filled with hatred and sexual immorality. I want to be free from God. And I hate the people that keep telling me I can't be. Perhaps you've seen that brewing in our culture. It's a Babylonian vintage that we're seeing in our culture. For she makes all the nations drink of this. Okay. We're going to learn more, sadly, about Babylon as we go along. 
Now you might think, and I wouldn't blame you, as we've been talking so far about Babylon, that, that this is rather bad news. As though what we were reading was something like the angel saying, watch out, rising, rising is Babylon the great. That is not what is proclaimed here. Rather, the angel comes forth and says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Fallen, it's over. It's done. That great city with all her walls will crumble like Jericho at the word of the Lord. Her wine will be poured out and discarded. Her name no longer remembered. This is wonderful news. Now, it's not great news if you're in the city of man. It's not great news if that is your home, if that is your love, if Babylonian is your native tongue. This is, this is bad news. For those who take pride in sexual immorality and their hatred of God's people. This is terrible news. But church, okay, right? We're reading about the fall of Babylon. We're living during the rise of Babylon. Or certainly her reign. We take great hope that one day it's falling. But right now we look around and countless thousands upon ten thousands will proclaim these ideas. Sexual immorality as good and right. Election after election results in the subversion of God's commands. And generation after generation drinks Babylon's brew. And though 10,000 upon 10,000 stand against the Lord, still her days will end. Though the nations rage and the peoples shout, there is a king who rules over all. And even now, in all her might and the bigness of her walls, Babylon is built on sand. And there's an earthquake coming for her. Surely it will end. Surely it will fail. Surely it will fall. And one day it will ring out, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And so, this is the second call to repentance in here. Second call to repentance to those who still live within her gates. To those who still drink the wine that she supplies. Let me, let me get out of those metaphors and just say, to those who love the world. Jesus says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Those who love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Do not love the world. And in light of her coming fall, don't spend your life on something that's going to fall. Don't spend your life on something which is so temporary as this. Babylon is falling. And if there's any here, let me appeal to you. Leave that city while time remains. But this is good news for the church, friends. It is good news for the church that this city of man is falling. This is 
This is take heart kind of news. This is take heart in the midst of persecution. Take heart in the midst of isolation. Take heart when you watch, gosh, a culture that you once loved or structures that you once loved or a country that you still love. Drinking this. Take heart. This is not our home. This is not our home. And the day is coming when our persecutor will fall. She who is so strong right now will suddenly be weak. She who right now intoxicates the nations will suddenly be helpless and will be brought low. This is not our city, church. This is not our home, church. We look forward to a better place. We look forward to a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one. Has He not promised He has gone ahead to prepare a place for us? And if He's gone ahead... Will he not return that he could bring us there where he has gone to prepare for us? So fallen, fallen is Babylon. Fallen, fallen is the wicked city. But rising, rising is another city. There's another city, friends, other than Babylon. See, the book of Revelation, yep, it talks about the fall of Babylon, the destruction of Babylon. But it also speaks of the arrival of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is coming. We have a city built for us. A city that has foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. This is the city that Abraham longed for. This is the city that the prophets of old could see. This is the city that the New Testament church longs to join. That city is rising. And that city will never fall. Never will the shout go out, fallen, fallen, over that city. But it will rise, and as it were, rise afresh with each new day. So church, sadly, we still have resonance with the city of Babylon. There's some indwelling sin in us that would still have us veer off after the values of this world. And so, this is a call for us. Don't be tempted by this city, Christian. Don't, don't like Lot, move your tent within the walls of Sodom, of Babylon. This city is quickly passing. It is doomed to fail. Don't cast your lot here. Keep your lot with Christ. Friend, if there's, there's repentance that needs to happen, then may repentance happen. Live not like those native to Babylon. Live like those native to Jerusalem. Who are, who are yearning for a different city. This is temporary. That's forever. And that city, friend, is soon to rise, and it will never fall, which is why the angel's voice is good news to the church. Just like the first angels were good news of great joy, friends, this is good news of great joy to the people of God. And so, 
very simply, the call this morning of this passage is that we put our hope in this eternal city. That we put our hope in the coming of Christ. That we put our hope in the reality that one day the angel will issue the last call and then Christ our life will appear. And he'll be here forever. And we will forever be with him. That day is coming. That Jerusalem is rising. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Set your hope fully on the grace of God that's going to be revealed, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the, the reality of His coming. Set your hope fully on this. It does not say set your hope partially. Set your hope occasionally. Set your hope temporarily. It says set your hope fully on the grace of God that's going to be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is rising. The king is returning. He's bringing his kingdom with him. Put our hope right there in him. Worship team, come on up. Let's pray. Lord, earlier Sean reminded us, and I can't remember the number, ironically, how many times the Bible says to remember. Hundreds of times you call us to remember. And even here is a call to remember. Or to remember that you are returning. To remember that Babylon is temporary. To remember that your judgment day is coming. Lord, would you help us to live in light of this? Stir up our memories, Lord. Help us be obedient to you in the call to remember. And Lord, would you by your Spirit help us to fix our hope fully in the coming of Jesus Christ. That we would be happy Christians anticipating that day with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.